official voice of the marvelous Marvel film and television community. My name is Matt, and join me once again is the man who says hubba bubba to the siren of the strategic scientific reserve. It's Pete. What's buzzing, cousin? What can I say, Matt? I'm a giver. The Agent Carter radio program by Fantastic Geek for episode 206, Life of the Party, is brought to you by the Tiffany and Company diamond-encrusted choker tracker guaranteed to release an excruciatingly painful neurotoxin into your body for the best last 35 seconds of your life give it to someone you love indeed and pete we love peggy carter though Haley atwell has been cast in a new abc pilot and and it seems that uh, that the future of the show is growing a bit grimmer and a bit grimmer uh, we're, we're enjoying the ride, luxuriating in these episodes, and uh, thusly, the, the double offering of tonight's episode, we're going we're gonna to podcast that second episode, 207, that's going to that's gonna, gonna hit your feed in a couple days, we kind of want to do due, due diligence to them, uh, because it, it does seem that the end is a bit closer here, but Pete, enough about the future, let's talk about this episode. News of the In this segment, we run down the top stories of the episode and give you the latest and the greatest the need to know. Pete, where will we begin? We begin, Matt, exactly where we left off, except in some strange other dark region. Indeed, Jason is in Wraith World. The ring, it calls him, Pete. It's the precious. I know all of the words that you just said, but in that combination, I'm not going to deign to recognize them. He was instead, Matt, in some dark realm and uh, called back by Peggy, um, you know, uh, explains he he's having a hard time fighting this anymore. Uh, but Peggy tells him he, he must fight it, that he has to. Um, and they quickly... Uh, for story's sake, of course, can, uh, conduct a and concoct a plan that if he can in some way replicate uh, the Jane Scott corpse situation, that he would find a way to uh, preempt this passage into this other area. But Matt, what does he need? He needs to get more zero matter. Yes, and uh, there's only one place where he can get that, or one person he can get that from. I'm so glad that with the mention there of Whitney Frost, A, we have the mission for the episode clearly spelled out in this, the first uh, the first scene. Uh, and ironically, or not, the story then moves to Whitney mumbling to herself. Really great moment there. Reminder that she's, uh, she's kind of this, uh, well, you know, loose cannon. And uh, we have her husband asking if everything is okay. Pete, in case you missed last week's episode, she does an angry recap. And Cal says that the upcoming council meeting will be for her. Because, Pete, he's been overlooking her, not giving her her full due. Yes, he's also uh, rethought the situation, which, of course, is TV code for I'm going to sell you out. 
Regardless, Pete, we have a lady baddie on the rise, Yahoo. Uh, she happily hugs him, and it really is a great acting moment from the actor who plays Cal, grimacing as uh, as she touches him. Um, it's the obvious choice. It's probably scripted, but it's wonderful nonetheless that he just really sells it as a guy that you need to feel a little sympathy for because he's just a run-of-the-mill bad guy. He's not your you know, run and gun type. And this is a situation that's gotten away from him. A woman whose power has gotten away from him. I'm okay with the latter. And full props, Matt, to actor Curry Graham here in his uh, last episode, uh, getting absorbed here along with seven other dudes and two mice on screen to this point, two two lab rats into Whitney. Got to be getting crowded in there. Absolutely. And Pete, while we're talking about uh, some of these uh, actors and whatnot, uh, let's just mention that the ever-reliable IMDb said that uh, Joseph Manfredi, the the uh, Italian gangster from last uh, time, was going to be in this episode, but wasn't. So thanks, IMDb. Is it possible, Matt, that they were counting the two-parter that, that aired here? as as one the way dvrs function i'm wondering if they just like you know he's in that in that second part perhaps not sure from one wounded woman matt to another back to peggy here and the subject of her uh boo-boo from the rebar uh last episode is discussed with jarvis and we have the return of uh anna here in this episode uh nicely peppered in um and a time to move the uh the story forward and she's the one she's functioning as the audience here but but wait peggy shouldn't you rest you know the show's called agent carter but shouldn't like other people take on the stuff in this episode because you were impaled in the last I must admit, here's my notes. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's the injury. Yes, it is serious, though we'll hardly give it any more mention tonight. I was convinced that this was just lip service to go, and they fixy fixy whatever. I rather like that they continued the through line for the whole episode. That Loved it's, uh, it. it's Loved Peggy kind of wounded. That you had, and and that you had an Agent Carter episode where, and and again, you know, let's consider where her through line ultimately goes, calling the shots. This is, you know, the the proto version of that. This is her back at HQ, uh, you know, guiding agents through a mission, and it worked wonderfully. But Pete, what I am sure about is that downstairs at Stately Stark Manor, it's Susa who looks like garbage. He's not going to share with Peggy that he got in trouble at home. And at that point, Peggy recaps the Wilk situation. <sighs> and now we're all up to date. This, the discussion, Matt, moves, however, to uh, Dr. Wilkes having designed a containment chamber for the zero matter. And Peggy has intelligence that points to the Chadwick campaign having a fundraiser, but they've got to get somebody in there to uh, take care of it. Indeed, Pete, they need somebody who can blend in with the elite but still kick butt. And with that, Pete, great line, Peggy says, I have a terrible idea. Yes. And before we know it, we see Dottie in her cell 
and she is visited by a doc. She's uh, announced a Dr. Wexford as a visitor to conduct her evaluation. And uh, we come to realize that Dr. Wexford is, in fact, yet another one of Peggy Carter's American aliases. And they have a lot to talk about. This is such a fun show. Spy woman constantly in aliases. There's just it's there's, there's something here that's just really really rich. It feels familiar, but also but also different. Um, and all that would make it better is Bradley Cooper for two seasons. But instead, Pete, we get an act break, and after the act break, it's obvious that uh, Peggy still continues to be hurt from that injury. And just want to note, Pete, this is a really not good wig that she's in. I know it's supposed to be a wig. And maybe there was this discussion, almost Lost-esque. Perhaps they went to the Lost Vaults of Bad Wigs. Um, but it was just interesting that it was so obviously a wig. And I wonder what that discussion was in terms of making sure the audience knows it's her for this extended period of time or whatever. I don't know. But what I do know, Pete, is that uh, there's no info from the Soviets or Leviathan trying to get Dottie back. Yeah, and it's Dottie's power of perception here. I, I think maybe the wig was an attempt to oversell that. Uh, you know, that and her surprise face. The surprise face indeed. And Pete, great to see Dottie's face back in this. It's such an interesting uh, structure to this season where you retain Thompson, uh, you retain Dottie, but in a recurring way, um, elevate you know more Sousa, much less Thompson. It's it's a nice it's a nice figure that this uh, Agent Carter season two has, and uh, I say thumbs up. Dare say it's a better stew this season than in the first season. The story then moves to Jason instructing Anna and in making a coil thingy for his. Uh, Ghostbuster containment unit. Um, Anna is delightfully unprepared for life on the edge of the spy world, uh, getting the one-two punch of Jason's over-talking and Jarvis's enthusiasm. Once again, Jarvis's sense of humor here, driving the comedy, driving the episode, an absolute, absolute treat. Lottie Verbeek is an excellent addition, too, and it's amazing. Like I said, I, I would equate this season to a stew, peppering in the right ingredients at, at just the right time. And the time to go back to Dottie and Peggy in the lockup there um, and knowing that Peggy is there in disguise, knowing that uh, she does not have the backing of the government needing to cut a deal here and the subject of leverage very much an issue in this episode. Indeed, Pete, sometimes it's all a matter of leverage. Uh, we return with uh, Peggy asking about the, uh, the a club pin, the, that a pin uh, and Dottie wonderful line floating amongst other options that it's potentially a key to the place where major decisions are made in this country um cesspool of a country by the way surprised she didn't break into her whooshing accent for <laughs> cesspool but matt it also may just have matched her blouse <laughs> though i don't think anybody in the audience buys that it is 
it's a wonderful shorthand quick way to remind us that Dottie is absolutely nuts. That Dottie that we met, the G. Wilkers, had moved into the boarding house with all the other girls and then snapped a man's neck. <laughs> it, it's a great way to just bring us back to that point. While at the same time, I'm sure there's a concern in the show of not making what they would have hoped were new audience members, even though the audience is, is a bit on the decline, um, not making it difficult where it's like, oh, I need to remember her whole backstory. It's just, oh, Soviet agent something something. She's trouble. She's crazy. Well, it would take, you know, just a couple decades for that Red Room Academy to really get their, you know, uh, their routine down and make uh, agents operatives that, uh, you know, wouldn't lose it. This is true. I, it, Pete, it's always, always in motion, the future is. And Peggy is in motion, leaving Dottie with an electromagnet, which um, pretty quickly opens up the door. But Pete, what about the guard? Well, he's got no gun because Peggy's no fun. Not just that, he is zonked out. Uh, and nice, really nice callback to season one. Uh, Dottie noticing his, uh, well, his lipstick, the lips, the lipstick upon his lips. She mentions sweet dreams, which of course was the sleepy time, uh, spy lipstick from season one. And then she goes on the run and I like the, the, the one, two punch of Sousa shooting her with an absolutely lame net, which is also, you know, ready to shock her not once, but twice. Happy. After the act break, Dottie wakes up, wakes up rather, in a hairnet. There's one of those perm machine things. Um, she's got a lovely outfit. And uh, here, Pete, this is the this is the uh, the the gift giving gift giving gadget giving scene. She gets the exploding necklace that will also coincidentally track her. I think maybe track her in an episode other than this. Although I don't want to make any predictions. Um, and it's all together really exploding Netflix. It's got a uh, tracker and a neurotoxin if they need to deploy it. Well, I uh, mean, exploding in that I think the people look, Pete, people who are listening, they know the shorthand for spy stuff. Exploding necklace means deploy a neurotoxin that will kill you in 35 seconds. People just know that we have a really smart audience. People don't listen <laughs> cursing and a two and a half hour discussion for a uh, a 44 minute tv show pete they're here for the commentary they are and i love the way that this scene begins we start with dotty's eyes and then we see that she's in a fancy outfit and suddenly we notice she's tied to a chair and there's that noise which of course is the hair machine and uh, the use of the noise at the beginning of the scene and then later was just awesome it really was it was such an effective scene i mean sometimes we're a little um sticklery with you know this is the opening exposition to set the dramatic conflict for the episode you, you know sometimes we're a little we're, we're a little cute about pointing that stuff out this as a scene setting up what's going to come after it it's really effective it's really fun it's it's out of the blue you know we don't know how Dottie get, got there what's going on exactly Ton we don't of fun. need to we don't need to. And, and that Jarvis is introduced and you establish the rapport with him and Dottie. She takes to calling him Jeeves. Uh, he wants to know what kind of gun he's going to have. No kind of gun. Uh, because Peggy points out the obvious that Jarvis doesn't understand. She will, of course, steal it. 
Uh, she's a kleptomaniac. She's a she's a top spy. Well, what kind of knife? How about a, a cane with a sword in it? And then, uh, you know, the uh, watch having been stolen off of his hand to illustrate her point. She raises the volume on the machine so they can have an argument. Great comedic touch. Absolutely. I mean, I, we say it week after week that the comedy that James Darcy has brought to this show uh, and, or the slash the comedy that they've they've asked him to add the show is just absolutely wonderful. Uh, the story then moves to Whitney, who is nervous about going to the council meeting, but she uh, can't go, Matt. Her her appearance, she wants the delay. And of course, because her husband is going to sell her out, I mean, introduce her to the council for the first time. He says that you, you can't keep these people waiting. And what does he do, Matt? He gets her what I thought was going to be a mask, perhaps a golden mask, but instead it was one of those old timey small hats with the with the, the veil the veil type thing so 1947 it's what yeah. we it's what the ladies nowadays wear in 1947 she's so appreciative of him and i think that it's it's an honest moment you know you could kind of go oh vanity thy name is woman but she has this giant mark on her face and she's very conscious of it and she's so first kind of emotionally romantic about it then pete she says she'll she'll thank cal later Properly. wink wink yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know what can we say as i tweeted that the nicest thing he's ever done for her in our time on the show is to give her something to cover her face he is a character that has added so much by being two-dimensional, um, yeah. there's just this wonderful kind of really passive, taken-for-granted misogyny that he has. Um, you could write him as the big, you know, uh, brutish husband, the get-back-to-the-kitchen type. Yes, there's been talk about stop acting and, you know, have babies and all that. But they don't overdo it with him, and, and he comes across as authentically two-dimensional. Yeah, somebody ought to suck him into a, a dark region from which there is no escape. Also suffering from the call of that dark region is uh, Jason, because the story returns to Jason. Um, and speaking of the wink-winks, we're back in Stark's basement. Dottie wants to wink-wink with Jason, too, I think. Uh, we get here, Pete, some mission precap about how the mission will go, what with the injector thingy and the secret agent-y stuff. Um and let's not forget that as Jason leaves, Dottie reaches out to feel him and discovers that he's a ghost, kind of. Minus points here on the writing. Twice she had asked for Dr. Wilkes to come around and, and be accessible physically for her. And then the grab at him. Of course, her hand goes through. Peggy doesn't notice this. Uh, you know, just the slightest uh, bit against the writing here on uh, on my behalf. Yeah, I think that's fair, particularly since we saw the watch scene earlier, meaning that, you know, the implication is Peggy saw Dottie take it because Peggy and Dottie are evenly matched. So here, why give Dottie the extra chip of knowing something's up with Jason? You know, so totally agree with you there, Pete. And hopefully we can agree that the story moves uh, to outside the party where uh, 
the cast is in place, Pete. They're at the uh, the Chadwick party, and inside it, Jarvis and Dottie are dancing excellently. Kudos to both actors for getting the moves down. And then, Pete, the stuff of act break legend. Look, across the hall, it's time for One Tree Hill. It's time for, for Gilmore Girls. It's Jack Thompson, act break. Yeah, uh, we come back from that act break with uh, Chadwick and uh, Vernon Masters. Uh, played by Kurt Wood Smith and Jack Thompson. And uh, Calvin here is going on about this red invasion. Indeed, the the, the communist threat ever present. And um, a nice reminder that in Dottie, we have that that communist threat. So uh, it's it's it certainly is narratively efficient. Yeah, and uh, Vernon introduces Jack as having led uh, a team that captured a Soviet agent last year. We're now, you know, referring to Dottie. Uh, and it's Whitney Frost that kind of elbows into this boys club here as only she can. She begins to hit on Jack. And uh, Calvin introduces her as his secret weapon. She's got a secret weapon. All right. <laughs> Indeed, she does. Also, a highlight of that scene is Dottie, uh, so ready to kill Jack. And there's, oh, you know, great. You want me to kill him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Susan and Peggy, don't It'll kill him. Quick. Don't kill him. <laughs> um, also, the way James Darcy uses his glasses with the hidden microphone, it, I mean, it's comic gold. I, I apologize, dear listener, if we keep repeating, but he's just so funny in scene after scene after scene. Yes, that, you know, being told he can't be spotted, of, of course he's, he's up for it, uh, but he's lost Miss Underwood. Also, losing credit is Jack, who has only one problem, says Vernon Masters. It's the girl problem. Uh, and uh, Masters notes this Carter woman is disobeying Jack. Pete, she's making an ass of him. And I assume she, by, by that he means a donkey. Yeah. Um, before that, it's the discussion about the powerful friends that they're around here, Wall Street and newspapers, men who keep the world spinning, as Vernon Masters notes. But he's only got one stain. And you know who's good at pointing out stains? Not Jarvis, because he destroys stains. Uh, even though Jack might know how to get rid of some stains himself with some baking soda, it's the guy who uh, pumps crude all over the globe. Jack is the stain, all, all, all respect rather, to Chad Michael Murray, who, who plays the, the awful Jack with a plum. Uh, but Pete, we also have Jarvis giving the pep talk to Dottie, um, and it's great to see him reaching the point where he's standing up to her, dictating how the mission is going to go here. Um, it's wonderful that, that for all the comedy that Jarvis is given, that it's not one note there as well. Uh, and then his standing up continues as he talks to Thompson, Jarvis does. And great line, the Thompson is, uh, is uh, out of his water and surrounded by sharks. Yeah, you know, segueing into that scene, oh, you know, I just won a $50 wager with uh, Mr. O'Selznick. He thought you were Burt Lancaster, so <laughs> we, you know, uh, dropped some names, and, and we know that, obviously, Stark's involvement in the pictures now coming across in this setting among settings. 
But to get to the whole thing, we'll establish, oh, Peggy's not here. She's poolside. Oh, I, th I saw her reading one of those pulpy magazines. And Jack's on guard there. He suddenly feels the need to secure the perimeter. <laughs> That's such a Jack thing. Um, part of this conversation, of course, is to distract Thompson from the fact that Dottie is following, uh, following Whitney into the powder room. Uh, and there, uh, Dottie pokes Whitney uh, getting the sample. Uh, as I noted, Pete, I'm not surprised to see that Whitney took no notice of uh, such a little prick. But uh, she didn't feel a thing, as is normal in a situation like that. Indeed. Um, Dottie, though, quickly on the run, uh, following her own bidding, not uh, not succumbing to the lash of her of her uh, Jarvis-led masters. Or I guess it's Peggy-led, but you know she she's she's now on her own here. And darn it, Pete, if she doesn't duck into the one secret meeting room where the secret council, which has convened here tonight, is going to meet to have all sorts of season-turning uh, things. And luckily, there's a person-sized armoire in which she can hide. That's French Pete for armoire. <laughs> uh, but this isn't a meeting, Matt, uh, about the zero matter in terms of energy, but it's about power. And rather than tell them, she decides to show them. Uh, she shows them what it's done to her face. She shows them a lab rat, and then they observe that it is then gone. And... Uh, one of the uh, members of the council says that, uh, you know, he uh, thought that she was uh, crazy, but now they've agreed how to proceed. And suddenly two men are uh, behind uh, Whitney with uh, little noose-like devices trying to wrangle her, and it doesn't exactly go the way they hoped. Kudos to the writing in this scene. I completely misread how I thought it would unfold as they sit kind of not particularly amazed by the, the rat business, which, by the way, Pete, is done entirely off screen, <laughs> saving the production a couple of uh, simoleons there. I thought that it was going to be like, huh, okay, that's a neat magic trick, little girl. Hey, Chadwick, why are you wasting our time? I like that the council is ahead of this and the council is listening to Chadwick. And even though we kind of see Chadwick as a bit of a boob, he's a well-connected boob. And, you know, these are these are men who are used to acting on information quickly. So the fact that they had a plan there um, is a bit of writing that that I I really appreciate. Um, I also appreciate, Pete, that as she liquefies half of the council uh, and also Chadwick in a moment, they leave actor Ray Wise okay because he's fantastic. No name extra guy. He's gone. Ray Wise, head of rocks on, still there. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to have to find a, a new CEO so quickly. But fabulous, fabulous scene, particularly Whitney is just looks truly brokenhearted as she turns on her husband, uh, taking the revenge for his uh, for his treachery and betrayal. And then Pete. He's gone too. End act. With uh, most of the people now out of the room, Whitney calls the meeting to order. Uh, she tells, dictating now here to uh, Mr. Jones, that she's going to need access to all of Roxanne's facilities. 
um, and to bring Vernon Masters up to speed. She tells Mr. Hayes, our newspaper baron, that he's going to need to get his publications to come up with a story for the sudden disappearance of her Senate campaigning husband and the other pasty goons. <laughs> but with all of this, she promises them power. Jones, as frequently happens, Matt, is excited. Indeed. Uh, by the way, Jones, not pasty, quite a tan man. Yes. Um, especially That's why for somebody. He's still around, baby. Well, what's I think... your name, darling? <laughs> I think there's that. I'm surprised at how tan the character of Hugh Jones is, considering the amount of time I think he spends inside in the bedroom. Um, but anyway, anyhow, he's excited about the collabo and Whitney's leadership. I love that for all the kind of, you know, faceless council of nine or whatever. I love that this familiar face, a guy we've seen before, et cetera, et cetera, is the one to sit and go, okay, shift in the power uh, structure. That means power vacuum. I'm on board. Let's go. I'm, I am a happy number two. Thank you for not killing me. Let's go do some evil. He's a survivor. Uh, surviving, meanwhile, is Jarvis, who has gotten away from uh, Agent Thompson, but uh, he's lost in the stairs. <laughs> yelling at his glasses just again wonderful comedy um as he looks for Dottie. the story then moves to peggy whose stitches have opened uh I, again i did not think they were going to commit to the injury as much as they did so a thumbs up there pete she needs to rely on someone else is it going to be susa or jarvis that's the question well Dottie is out and uh out of the awa yeah, she's got her little device there, and she looks into it, having seen what transpired in the council chamber, and we see for the first time that she does indeed have the black zero matter inside the little device, uh, and out in the hallway, she runs into Vernon Masters, and she compliments their party. She does, and then she's suddenly on the run, and then Pete... Let's just let's just take let's just take the lights down a little bit here. It's it's Susa, it's Peggy in the van. Susa reveals that Violet's broken off the engagement. Pete, because Violet thinks Susa is in love with Peggy. Peggy, she consoles him, Pete. She's listening to him. Jarvis is listening via his glasses, but most yes. importantly, Peggy holds Susa's hand. Pete, they touch. There's a spark, that spark that a man can feel for a woman and vice versa, and they're about to smooch. But then, bam, a goon lands on the van, Pete. Right, and uh, great camera work here, Matt. We come back into the window that the body has been thrown out of, and there's Dottie kicking butt. Indeed, Pete. This time, Dottie not dropping the ball. She's uh, she's taken out two goons. One's on the van. One is quickly dispensed with. But then, Pete, we're rooting for Dottie, the anti-heroine, the, the person who we can get behind, sympathetic backstory, girl power, etc. And who stops it but that dang rogue Thompson. Act yeah. end. He gets the drop on her here. Nice to see you again. And the device with the zero matter is conspicuously on the floor in the fray. Thanks, camera moves. After the act break, uh, Peggy and Sousa are looking over the body, which I guess we're meant to believe they've gotten off the roof. 
Um, Jarvis arrives to say that they could track the necklace if only they had uh, the tracker. But now they have the zero matter. And uh, plans are made to return back to stately Stark Manor so they can do the tracking. Well, just a note that she had crushed the device in the necklace that did the tracking. Ah, yes, an important note that I in no way forgot. I just wanted to give you something to talk about. Inside the building, really fantastic scene. Vernon Masters blames Thompson for everything. Vernon Masters is connecting the dots that Thompson can't see here. Uh, the involvement of, uh, of Peggy in, in all this goings on, the springing of Dottie and so forth. Jack does not want to take her out, you know, in the final takeout kind of way. Uh, though Masters assumes that she has leverage on Jack. He doesn't care what that is, just that uh, Jack should find a way to, uh, to, to, to make that leverage go away, particularly if he's looking to be a leader in this man's government. Yeah, the killing of uh, Peggy Carter is too easy, and he notes that's going to make her a martyr. In these times, Matt, you discredit, you disgrace, you subdue, um, and that this new set of problems calls for a different set of answers. The story returns to Stark's garage, where Jason is all set to build his ecto-containment unit, but he's told, sorry, second banana, we have more important problems. The Dottie thing. Also, knock, knock, who's there? It's Thompson. Thompson who? Jack Thompson. He asks about Catherine Wexford and says that Peggy is in trouble. Going back to New York City. Ah, Pete, looks like the walls are closing in. That 4.30 flight he's taking, he expects her to be on board with him uh says that there's no place in his office for a subordinate who won't follow orders you can really hear vernon masters coming through here um and though she notes that the job market isn't the greatest for a woman right now that she's prepared to take her chances but uh he is trying while he's trying to intimidate her also trying to help her understand she's in over her head these are boogeymen and quicksand etc cetera, etc cetera, that she will never see it coming and matt what don't we see coming as we smash to the end Pete, it's a dotty in the box, whether it's a trunk or a steamer or whatever. But there she is, chained up uh, and clearly caught. Uh, who opens the box, Pete? Why, it's Whitney foretelling doom and gloom to end the episode. What? Lunkheads deserve some time. The joint, this list of baddies will tell us just that, Pete. Let's start with Whitney. The Madam Mask evolution continues here, and, and while they didn't go with the uh, easy uh, association of that, as you indicated, with the, the gold or the yellow mask from the comics before, they're, they're making their way there, and I, for one, appreciate, um, you know, we'd, we'd had some very, uh, you know, there but not there Whitney Frost episodes after the great flashback episode two episodes ago and here she steps back to the forefront yeah and I like that back in the forefront she brings her sense of sympathy the character arc betrayal from from Cal I mean really you understand where she's coming from you understand that uh part of what she's railing against is 
you know, the the male dominated world that 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 won't give her access to the world of science and so forth. She's just a wonderful character. It was uh, sad, I should say, just because of the way the actors done such a great job with the character to see Calvin Chadwick go, but completely necessary, Matt. Yeah, we had talked about about Cal not making it to the end, and uh, I totally agree. I mean, he, 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 the character, he, the actor, did not have a starring place in this story, but the job that needed to be done of, of, a, of a nuanced guy who doesn't quite understand how things are changing around him, uh, it, was, it was done to perfection. Uh, he will be missed. Goodbye, not Senator Chadwick. How about Bridget Regan's Dottie, Matt? We had seen her at the very beginning of this season. We knew she would obviously be back, but who knew she could bring such a spark comedically, uh, particularly to this episode? She's just a ton of fun. Uh, again, as mentioned before, I love that she's in it, but you know, hasn't been in it for all these episodes, but has been this this piece on the chessboard that that's been uh, been on pause until until required by the story, and just that wide-eyed, crazy, pure, impure edge that that Bridget Regan brings to the character is just fantastic. If Matt, if and it's a big if at this point, given that you know Atwell is is already teamed with this production crew for uh, the conviction show coming to abc next year potentially um you know she could juggle her schedule and and they have allowed that they might be able to make these two shows side by side if that is to happen more bridget regan more bridget regan and Haley atwell together on missions and stuff absolutely absolutely maybe some 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 you know agent carter tv movie something don't let don't let two weeks from tonight be the end. Well, and maybe, you know, maybe just a, a, a huge wish. Can we get a Rose Dottie Peggy mission? That would be that would be pretty incredible. Pete, who else is on the list of lunkheads? Our council, Matt. What's left of them? Uh, several of them uh, go to a place with uh, some lab rats. So they're all hanging out, probably like petting them and, you know, seeing what kind of tricks they can perform, running in little treadmills on the other side of whatever dimension they're on. But, uh, of course, the Roxxon CEO, Hugh Jones, survives. Um, and Vernon Masters also being a prominent member of our council. Thank goodness he missed that meeting. You know, Pete, I had forgotten that, but you, of course, are absolutely correct. And, uh, yeah, just just one of those twists of fate where things worked out well for him. I guess that means more Kurtwood Smith for these remaining episodes. He must have been with Dick Cheney, who, look it up, is on this Council of Nine in the undisclosed location. Wow, that, that that's a fact, Pete? It is. You'd never see him because he's in the undisclosed location. Got it. Got it. He's like, I, I totally understand. They have to, you know, come on, the State of the Union, they always got to <laughs> sit somebody out. That's true. That's true. It's young, young Richard Cheney is back, back in the other office. Uh, well, Pete, now we've run through all the bad guys, right? No, we haven't, Matt. <gasps> Who's left? Agent Chief Jack Thompson. 
I suspect that Chad Michael Murray is just a delightful guy, despite the fact he always plays kind of too cool for school, smoldering jerks. Um, so I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he Jack Thompson is just so despicable in so many ways. And worst of all, Pete, is he thinks he's doing the right thing. That's the worst of all. He's not he's not being evil. He's just evil is the result of his tomfoolery. Well, one, he is a lovely person. And two, his character here is indicative of so many of the males of that time who were jerks but thought they were doing the right thing by women, by society. Ooh. So Jack Thompson is the metaphor of kind of uh, white male dominant privilege of the 1940s to whenever. He's pre-white privilege. He's pre-privilege. <laughs> Classified top secret. Holy mackerel! Time to take a gander with the G-Men don't want you to know. Pete, where should we start since we have actual G-Men in this episode? I think we need to begin, Matt, appropriately at the end. The biggest mystery of this episode with uh, Whitney now in possession of a human weapon in Dottie. Um, what does she want with her? What will she do with her? Pete, when it comes to female villains in this show, we now, you could say, we have, we could say, this is Dottie, this is Dottie's sister, because they are sisters in evil womanhood, and it's fantastic. It's interesting that you float the, the sisterhood idea. Um, They're in a league of their own, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> They're so different as characters. There's the fragile nature of Whitney Frost and everything. I mean, this is a woman who was betrayed to these men by her husband. And, you know, thankfully for her, she had the uh, supernatural powers to reverse that um at the same time you've got this hardened sardonic killer in Dottie underwood i'm so anxious to see the two of them uh play this out yeah it's going to be a ton of fun in episodes in the future where we we get to see them uh with this kind of you know dual powered wonder absolutely cannot wait for it Long we want you to flap your lips, write a telegram, or even send us uh, the Twitter. Pete, we had a ring-a-ding-ding on the Twitter from uh, Lisa, who, said, who asked, Was Dottie out west, or did Agent Carter travel via transportation, uh, via the transportation they used on Fringe, very fast to get to New York? <laughs> Pete, I don't know the the Fringe. Can you explain that to me? Yes, Fringe was the better X Files on Fox. Wow! And um, unclear from the the uh, look of the set and Sousa being there, it was the West Coast. I think that it's as close as we're ever going to get, other than seeing the script and seeing where it was set. I'm not quite sure why they would have moved her out west. In my mind, it was just a little bit of a story fib. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. 
Um, Pete, on the topic of Dottie, our pal Mike Sorensen says Dottie is just about the scariest non-superhuman villain in the MCU. Maybe some of those supers, too. Maybe even scarier than some of the supers, Pete. I don't find her scary. Uh, it's funny that, um, you know, he has that reaction, particularly in the scene where she was kicking guys out the window and with the costuming, she's she's got this elegant edge to her. Um, they always dress her up and they always block her scenes in a way that she never loses her femininity Hence the the proto Black Widow here, Matt. All true, all true. And Pete, a true question from uh, ZP International on Twitter: uh, Peggy is starting to like shocking people just a tad too much, don't you think? <laughs> uh, I hadn't really uh, thought of how many people she shocked, but yeah, and uh, she said it. She's happy. Well, Pete, not shocking is that you're practically a person of glitterati fame. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on the Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-7056. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 7056 followers. Can't be wrong. While I am personally on the Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the radio program by being in touch with Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH in plenty of ways. Send an electronic letter to us on the Gmail, post a note on the dot com, or tweet us your telegraphs. But wait, Pete, there's more! Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. You click the little like button and you are plugged in to everything we do in some dark region of the internet. <laughs> And, of course, don't forget that Fantastic Geek is the way to go. With that, I'll say goodbye, good night, good luck to one and all. Pete, with what wacky words will you close tonight? It takes more than six walls to hold me. Mm-hmm.